thankful for what God is doing. Online fam, aren't you thankful for what God is doing? So, so thankful to be a part of just everything that the Spirit of God continues, uh, continues to do. And we are, we are blessed with, um, I tell people, I tell people back in the day, um, there, was a, there was an old Penn State game on yesterday. It was like the 1983 uh, Rose Bowl or something. I watched all of five seconds. But, but Penn State back in the day, they used to be known as Linebacker U, Linebacker University. Like just a lot of great linebackers uh, come out of here. And I think Multiply is known for a lot of things. I'm telling you, one of the things that we are blessed with on our staff and on this team are multiple men and women of God that have a powerful anointing to teach and preach the word of God. So not for this preacher, but for this staff. Can you just thank them for digging into the word of God? I I, want to tell you, staff, how much I enjoy just sitting under that. Take your copy of God's word if you'll take it out today as we begin a new series out of John chapter 13. These uh, both here were for Pastor Zach, so a lot of good. It does me to have them in Concord when he's in Lake Norman. So I'm just gonna, I was gonna tell him I had them and then give them to him later. But we'll we'll get those out here. And then this is not my my preaching towel, although it might be. But it's gonna be my pre it's gonna be my preaching towel. So I got my big Bible and a preaching towel today. So here we go. Um, but I wanna I wanna go into a series called One Another, One Another and and preach these next several weeks about a united church, a united church in a divided world. Watched a a movie last night that was centered in uh, 12th century Britain, and France was attacking Britain because they had heard that all the feudal lords and the knights and this whole system had broken down and they were not fighting as one for the king, that they were fighting each other. And so the enemy was like, Oh, we got this. And so the enemy was attacking Britain because he because the king of France saw the weakness of Britain. And what he didn't know was that during that time, as all these ships were were crossing the channel of, of water there, was that Britain had united. And, and so the enemy got a surprise when he landed on the shores there of one people fighting. And his line was, his line was this. This doesn't look like a nation divided. And he turned around and said, let's let's go home. And I believe that for the church. Amen. I think the enemy partially is attacking our land and is attacking our nation and is attacking the people of God because he thinks we're all divided. But what if we begin to come together like never before and the enemy's like, oh, no, 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 no. I ain't messing with United Church. There's power in unity. There's power in our unified prayers. There's power in our unified worship. There's power in our unified gathering, whether it's virtual or in person. And so we want to preach in this series. This particular scripture is in John chapter 13. The setting of this, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. The disciples are together in the upper room. This is the scene of the the Last Supper. And so Jesus begins to impart and he begins to teach some very important words just before his death, resurrection, and subsequent ascension. John chapter 13, beginning at verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. 
by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, one of the problems that we're facing in our society is a warped definition by culture of what love is. And so what we need to do is we need not to just say, so this is not, this is not Jesus at a wedding. Jesus is not the best man at a wedding, giving a toast and saying all these wonderful words. And there's, you know, at a wedding, there's all the feels and there's all the emotions and everybody's like, oh, this is, this is love. Jesus is saying, no, that may be a part of love. Like that may be the beginning of love, but that isn't, that isn't love. Love is when you care for one another during hard times. Love is when One spouse loses a job. One is when one spouse goes through a sickness or an illness. One is where you walk through the difficulties of uh, of conceiving a child together. Maybe there's been years where you haven't been able to conceive a child. Like, that's love. And so Jesus begins to redefine what love is truly. So what does this look like, Jesus? Well, let's go earlier in the passage, and Jesus tells us. He doesn't just tell us. he, He shows us. Verse 4 in that same passage, so he, so Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. What you have to understand is in that culture and in that society, foot washing was a normal part of regular hygiene, but it may have been one of the most important parts. While they didn't or may not have bathed every day, they certainly washed their feet every day. So Mediterranean climate, very warm, very hot climate, and they wore sandals, and so they were walking around all day. They did the. They, they were they were farming in these. They were taking care of the sheep in these. Have you ever been in a cow pasture or a sheep pasture? You're not just walking through mud. You're not just walking through dust. And so when you came into the house for the evening, then that was the job. The foot washing was the job of the lowliest servant. And here you have the master picking up a towel. Here you have the teacher becoming the student. Here you have the king of kings, the lord of lords that was already born in a stable in a manger in the town of Bethlehem once again picking up picking up a towel, picking up a towel. You may have heard the phrase the phrase from the 1913 around that era, that's where they that's where they traced this phrase. You've heard the phrase throwing in the towel. Throwing in the towel is doing, I found a story this week that was about the longest boxing match in history. This was even back in the the 1800s. So in the 1800s in New Orleans, they didn't have limits on the rounds or the limits on the times of the rounds and all, all of these things that are in place today. And this boxing match went 118 rounds. 118 rounds. It was like over seven hours. It started at nine o'clock in the evening. They said by the time it got to the 120th round or 118th round, whenever, whenever it was, that most of the people had either left and the people that were there had fallen asleep. And so you have, they said that during the last couple of rounds, one guy had broken both of his hands at some point within the thing. And for the last two rounds, nobody even hit each other. 
They were just, they were just like wobbling around and dancing around. Like all of this, all of this. Can, can you imagine the, the, the desire at some point of just saying, throw in the towel? I don't know how you are feeling today. I don't know how full your emotional tank is. I don't know how your energy levels are. How's your, how's your hope? tank how's your how's your love tank if you were to look on a gauge like how, how emotionally charged but for a lot of people as we're what now seven ish months into this pandemic can I tell you a lot of people probably are ready to throw in the towel I'm hanging on to this marriage by a thread pastor I'm ready to throw in the towel the kids that I've been praying for just keep making poor decisions. And I'm ready to throw in the towel. Nobody's called me. Nobody's texted me. If something happened to me, would anybody even know that I exist? I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm telling you, God sent me with a word for somebody today. It's not time to throw in the towel. I know the temptation is there. I know you feel like you're staggering after 118 rounds. I, I, I know. See, the enemy would love for you to throw in the towel. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus steps into this moment and he says, it's not about throwing in the towel. It's about picking up the towel. It's about picking up the towel. I'm telling you, if you'll pick up the towel, somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to pick up the towel. Love somebody. Pick up the towel. Serve somebody. Pick up the towel. Spend your life on behalf of somebody else. You have more in your tank than you think you do. So if that's what love looks like, if love looks like picking up the towel, when we don't feel like we have anything else to give, let's look at, let's look at this. Who was in the room? Who was in the room? So if Jesus models for us what love is, then we've got to ask who were the people that were sitting in those chairs that Jesus washed their feet? Well, John was there, but can I tell you this? John, Y'all, John was the easy one. John was the beloved disciple. Now he called himself that, so I don't know how beloved he was, but at least in his eyes, John was the beloved disciple. But John, John really did. John did some things that the other disciples didn't do. John stayed with Jesus to the very end. When every other disciple left him, John went to. So I wish, you know what I wish? You know, here's what I wish. I wish everybody in my life were as easy to love and serve as John. You, but you have, some, you have some people in your life like that, right? You have some Johns in, in your life. You have some people like they're easy to love. They're easy to, ser- to serve. They're, they're kind. They say thank you. They, they don't bring you grief like we have. But, but that was for Jesus. That was like one out of 12. Less than, less than 10. If, if, if we extrapolate that, I always get in trouble when I do math from the platform. But that's less than 10%. I bet you that less on any given day or in any given season in your life, less than 10% of the people in your world are easy to love. Can I have an amen? Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean who you're sitting by. That's, every, that's everybody else. Who else was in the room? Thomas was in the room. You know what Thomas is known for, right? You, have any, you ever have anybody doubt you? This, this was interesting to me. 
you know when Thomas's moment of doubt, his, you know, the, the famous the famous doubting Thomas and the, the famous moment of doubt for Thomas. Do you know when that was? It was after Jesus had risen from the dead. Can I, can I tell you something? Some of you have lived your entire life trying to prove the doubters wrong. I'm just living, I'm living to prove the doubters wrong. Even if you died and rose again from the dead, they would still doubt you. There are, there are some people that they're just not going to get it. We have doubters. And so Jesus washed the feet of even the doubters. And then, so if you take 12 disciples in that room, and, and you take John out, and you take Thomas out, now, now we've got 10. Um, nine out of those 10, so here's nine people in this category. Nine of the dis- disciples left you, left Jesus when he needed them the most. Remember, and, and Peter kind of exemplifies this, right? Peter, Peter's the one. And if you read this narrative, what's really interesting is Jesus' prediction of Peter's denial is right after he washes his feet. So it's not like that caught Jesus by surprise, right? So Jesus was saying, I'm even going to wash the feet. Have you ever had somebody leave you when you needed them the most? I, I, I mean, you, you, need, you needed them emotionally, you needed them financially, you need whatever it, whatever it is. Jesus understands what it's like to be in this situation because nine out of these ten of the closest people in Jesus' life that he had poured his entire life into left him when he needed them the most. And then you have, and then you have the one that we're really familiar with here is, is Judas. And Again, if I'm, like, if I'm Jesus, I, I think I would have talked to God about like, the order of this. I think it would have been something like this. Like, um, God, could I have done this? Could we just, let's do, um, God, let's not actually wash the disciples' feet. Could we do this as like an illustrated sermon? And could I just put John up front? And if I could just wash John's feet, but all the other disciples will know that that's a, like how I love John will be, will, will be symbolic of the rest. Of, and God's like, no, I need you to wash everybody's feet. And Jesus is like, well, well God, what if, what if we do this? Understand, I understand this didn't happen. This is all just going on in my mind. But, but what if Jesus was then like, well, Judas, he's already, he's already going to, he's already going to betray me. Can't he leave the room before I wash the disciples' feet? Like, what would have been, what would have been wrong with that? Nothing except Jesus was showing us and he was giving us an example that even though 90% of the people in your circle at any given time, even when you feel like throwing in the towel, there is a power within you to pick up the towel. To pick up the town, to begin to love even those that doubt you. To begin to love even those that have left you. To begin to love and serve even those that have betrayed you. So how do, how do we do this? Because y'all, this, like, this sounds hard. This is a nice little Bible story. I'm happy that Jesus did this. But now Jesus is saying to me, let's go back and read that scripture. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. 
just as I've, how, how, what is that just as I have loved? It's washing the feet of the doubters, washing the feet of the people that have, washing the feet of those who have betrayed. So how do we, how do we do this? First of all, can I tell you this? People will always doubt you. They will leave you and they will betray you. But the question is, can you love them and serve them anyway? If the goal of your life is to have a community of perfect people who are easy to love, whether that be your family, your church, or tribe, then you will have accomplished something that even Jesus couldn't. The test of love in your life is not, am I part of the perfect community, but can I deeply love and serve the imperfect community of which I am already a part? So how can we do, how can we do this? And I believe that we can't. Or Jesus wouldn't have told us that we can. It's, I, I believe that the secret is found in verse 3. And verse 3 says this, that Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. And so before Jesus picked up the towel, this was what was already in Jesus. See, you can, I believe that you can love, you can bless, you can serve, you can forgive, you can give, you can do this because of this verse. Three things in this verse that I think are really important. Number one, you walk in the power of the towel. The power of the towel when you get your affirmation and identity from your heavenly father. Do you see what it says there in verse three? Jesus knew that the father had given given him when I know that my identity comes from my father when I know that my affirmation comes from the father can I can I show you how to be free in your life here's here's how to be here's how not to be free how not to be free is when you start washing people's feet when you start serving somebody and then you start looking at them hey Thomas how am I doing how am I doing Thomas am I doing okay Am I, ser- am I serving you okay? Is this all right? Is the water just the right temperature, Thomas? Am I getting everything? Peter, Peter, I know that the rooster's gonna crow, but Peter, I just, I'm looking at you. Would you just begin to affirm me in my, in my serving you? Peter, if you could just, uh, if you could get, just give me some positive feedback. Peter, I'm gonna post a, uh, uh, an Instagram shot of me washing your feet so I can see everybody else, uh, so everybody else can see me serving. And if you could just like give me some feedback on that Instagram shot, that would be see that's how that's how you actually become enslaved to the people that you're serving but you need to break that here's what serving looks like here's what serving looks like you you serve the people you love the people you give to the people but then you go to God and you say God how'd I do how'd I do father did I do everything like you told me to did I wash like you told me to wash Did I do okay, God? See, that's what will set you free in your life is when you begin to look for your identity and your affirmation in your heavenly Father and not in the people that you serve. Because if we look for that in the people we serve, we can become enslaved to that type of a mindset. Second thing is this. You walk in the power of the towel when you understand and know the authority that you walk in. Jesus knew that God had given him authority over everything. If I don't understand the authority that I already walk in, then I will live my life out of insecurity. And I will walk around thinking that I always have to prove myself. 
You'll think the goal of life is to, watch this, if you, if you don't understand the authority that you walk in, you'll think the goal of life is to sit in this chair. Because when I walk in insecurity, the world tells me that success is how many people serve me. That is a position you will never meet a more insecure person than the person that walks around thinking life is about them. Everybody on the planet exists for me. Everybody exists to cater to me. People that walk in confidence resist the inner temptation, the inner child, the inner selfishness to stay in this chair and to get up out of that chair and to begin to serve other people. That's what it means to walk in confidence, and to walk in the authority, and to walk in the anointing that you have. Jesus does not just call you to do something that's going to make you miserable. Jesus isn't saying, hey, wash these people, people's feet so they can trample on you, and so, so you won't make a difference in the world. No, Jesus is saying this because he understands that this is what true freedom is. This is what true love is. This is what true peace is. And then the third thing is this. You walk in the power of the towel when you keep your eyes on where God has called you to go. You walk in the power of the towel when you keep your eyes on where God has called you to go. The final part of that verse says this, and he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. I can walk free. I can love. I can serve. I can give. I can bless. I can, I can release forgiveness in my life when my eyes are not fixed on these groups of people, but my eyes are fixed on my destiny. They're fixed on my destination. I know who my father is. I know the authority that he's given me. I'm going to walk in that authority, not to lord that authority over you, but to serve you. See, you use your authority. People understand spiritual authority, spiritual authority, earthly authority, lords things over people. Spiritual authority serves people, and it begins to unlock their dreams and begins to unlock their destiny from a different level. Jesus understood where he was going. You got to know where you're going. You got to know where you're going. Let me put it this way. Does it not become just a little more apparent every day that this world is not our home? And if it is, I feel, I feel like I feel bad for you. It ain't working out so good. And, and it's not the Bible. The Bible says if you read Revelation, things don't get better before the end. They get worse. Like if this is, if this is all there is. If this is all there is, woe, woe unto me above all people. If like, if this is all there is, but we have more, we know that there is more. C.S. Lewis says this, you get hungry because there is such a thing as food. Every desire within you, God has created because there is a fulfillment for that desire. And so if you find yourself longing for something that is beyond this evil, sinful, broken world, it's because you were created for something beyond this world. God has more for us. We need to keep our eyes on what God has called us to do. Keep our eyes on our destiny. Keep our eyes on our destination. Keep our eyes on our mission, which is lost people. And then we won't allow people's lack of approval to distract you from your destiny.
I'm a, no, no secret here. But, and, I, and I restrained myself. I thought I did, I thought I did good. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm primarily a Steelers fan. And in 1975, December 27th, 1975, a playoff game against the then Baltimore Colts, just in, in case you're interested in the, in the history. Um, and that was the year that they won the Super Bowl. By the way, just throw, throwing that out. But they introduced, they introduced something called the, yeah, got some Steeler fans out there. It was a, ter- it was a terrible towel. There was a Pittsburgh broadcaster by the name of Myron Cope. And so they wanted to, Steelers wanted to release a gimmick, and so they gave everybody in the stadium that day a, a, a terrible towel. It was a yellow towel, and um, when they needed when they needed some energy, right? When they when need, they needed a momentum shift, when the when the defense needed to dig in their heels, when it was a third and four, and and they needed they needed that stop. When when the offense just needed when that line was was getting a little bit leery, and, and, and they needed to spring Franco Harris up the middle for one more one more run. They needed to dig in. They'd look up in the in the crowd, and you'd see this sea of yellow just waving waving this terrible tap. They think that it, can't, that it comes from all the way back. There was a University of Western Kentucky coach in the early 1920s that used to pace the sideline, used to pace the, the, the sideline with a red towel. And when his team needed some energy, he'd start, he'd start waving that towel. He used to use a white towel, but then a bunch of kids started stealing white towels out of the locker room. So he's like, oh, I'm gonna just use a, a red towel. So when he, you know, when his team was down by, down by 10 in the fourth quarter and it, and it looked like the enemy was winning. And, and I'm telling you, for some, for some of you, for some of you, what you need right now, because it looks like the enemy's winning. You turn on the television and it looks like the enemy's winning. You look at our society and you walk out the doors and it looks like the enemy's winning. Even though we keep getting more people back each and every week at Multiply Church, you look around and rows are still removed and we're still limited and, and people are in a mass and you're thinking, this was like 118 rounds ago. I had energy, but it, it looks like the enemy's winning. I, 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 wonder, I wonder if we just need a little bit of what Jesus told us of don't throw in the towel. Not only, not only you're you not going to throw in the towel, you're going to pick the towel back up and begin to serve. But here's what I see. I see a Holy Spirit rally coming in the people of God. That's what I see. I see rally time. I see us rallying to prayer in the name of Jesus. I see us rallying. I see us digging deep in worship. Because watch this. Watch this. Devil, you may doubt me. People may doubt me. And people may leave me. And people may betray me. But I'll tell you what people can't ever do. They can't offend me. And I think that's our declaration that we need to say right now. You can't offend me. You can't offend me. I don't care what they say on the news. You can't offend me. I don't care what you say. You can't offend me. Because Jesus lived above offense. I'm telling you, that will begin to unleash a Holy Spirit rally from the depths that is within you that say, I'm going to live a life that is not offendable. I didn't say... I didn't say we don't fight evil. I didn't say we don't reach the lost. I say it that we do it with a spirit. You cannot, 
that was, that was Jesus' real temptation in this moment, wasn't it? If he would have got offended, the enemy could have used, it wasn't Judas's betrayal. It, it wasn't Peter's denial. It wasn't Thomas's doubt. The enemy, the enemy can't win in your life by any of those things. The only way the enemy can win is you if you choose to pick up a fence. And Jesus said, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to live like that. I, I got to tell you one, one more thing, and this is so important. So... This actually turns out pretty good. Thomas, resurrection, touches the nails, touches the, or, or touches the scars where the, where the nails were, and Thomas becomes a world changer. John obviously became a world changer, so there's two out of two. Peter and the other eight, so the nine, uh, nine of these boys, they all, they all became world changers. They fought for Jesus until their death and and you have one person Judas didn't end so well for Judas but out of all these people out of all these people 11 out of the 12 ended up doing amazing things for the Lord here's the problem here's the problem the problem is Jesus knew who was who Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. Jesus knew what Peter was going to do. Jesus knew what Thomas was going to do. Jesus knew what Philip was going to do. Jesus knew what Andrew was going to do. Jesus knew what Matthew was going to do. Here's the problem. Here's the problem in your life. In your life, watch this. You don't know. You don't know. You have somebody who is Peter in your life, and you have somebody right now that's Judas in your life, and you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So you got to love everybody. You got to serve everybody. You don't get to choose. You don't get to choose who you love. You don't get to choose who you serve. I'm with you. I'd like, like, give me John. Just give me John. Let me serve John. Let me have a family of Johns. Let me have a tribe of Johns. But you don't know. Somebody that you love is going to get it and they're going to change the world. Somebody isn't, but you don't know. You won't know till heaven. That's why That's why you can't throw in the towel. That's why God's people got to rally. That's why we got to dig deep. That's why we got to pick up the towel. We got to love. We got to serve like never before. The power of the towel. The power of the towel. Now, I know I, I know I told you, I know I told you that the goal is that you don't sit in one of these chairs. But let's be honest, all of us have. All of us, we've sat in all of these chairs. We've doubted Jesus. We've left Jesus. And we've betrayed Jesus. And here's the crazy thing is that Jesus chooses today to wash your feet and to love you and to serve you despite all of 
your failures. So with heads bowed and eyes closed in this place, those of you joining us online today, you would say, Pastor, I'm in one of those chairs. I feel like I've got so much doubt in my life and I've got so much doubt in my heart, Pastor. Or, or, or Pastor, I used to, I used to serve Jesus, but, I, but I've left him and, and I've gone off and I've denied him. I'm, I'm like Peter and I'm, I'm doing my own thing and I'm just trying to fit in with the crowd and it's not working out really well. Or Pastor, I, I, I feel like I've betrayed Jesus or I've betrayed my family. I've betrayed my spouse. Understand that Jesus still loves you. Jesus still is serving you. Jesus is still reaching out to you. And so if that's you, if you feel like you're walking around but you're not awake, like you're going through the motions but you're not alive, Jesus Christ has come to breathe the breath of life into your lungs so that you can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to your purpose. We're all going to pray this prayer out loud. Some of you are going to mean this for the very first time and you are going to go from death to life. You're going to go from being in one of these chairs to getting up and to joining Jesus and picking up a towel. Church family, let's surround those who are going to say yes to Jesus in this moment. Let's pray this out loud together. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I know that I've left you. I know that I've betrayed you. I know that I've doubted you, but I ask you to forgive me. I come to the cross and I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and come into my life so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You got the power of the towel. Pick up the towel, pick up the towel, pick up the towel. Come on, turn to three or four people, tell them pick up the towel. Pick up the towel, pick up the towel, pick up the towel.